Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. everybody welcome back to the bad broadcast we are here with a brand new episode we've got a lot of things to talk about today uh don't worry it's not about the election i know a lot of you are wondering if i'm gonna you know give commentary on the election i'm not we all have the internet we all have a tv we know okay we get it we've we've consumed it to death so we're not gonna do that here but I will say that it's been a weird week, probably because of the election, but who knows? It's been a weird week. Even my listeners in Canada are like, we're feeling it too. I um, I made the mistake of reading some of my negative iTunes reviews, and that was a bad idea. It was just a bad idea. I mean, I knew that they were there, but I've always been able to kind of just skip over them and not think about them. But yeah, this week, I guess I was just feeling an extra dose of you know self-loathing, so I went through and read them. And... I just think that they, there's a lot of fascinating things that we can talk about with this. So I, uh, I've always been a consumer, you know, like I've always been a consumer of podcasts and content creators, comedians, influencers, and I've, I've been critical of them. And now I'm in the position where you guys are consuming my stuff and that opens up the gate for people to be critical of me, which is totally fine. But it's obviously weird to adjust to that because people kind of have an open, an open, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's just free game. It's free game. Like, they can text me, or not text me, but DM me mean things. They can leave me mean reviews. And the the most common feedback that I get, or negative feedback that I get, is people telling me that I need to be nicer. Actually, one guy did tell me on my iTunes reviews that it sounds like my mouth is full of spit, which I'm like, what am I supposed to do about that? Like, that is where I keep it. I don't have anywhere else to put it. So... But yeah, people are are typically mad at me for not being kind enough. And I want to I wanted to I want to talk about this a little bit. Okay, because Rosie, so I know a lot of you are actually here because you follow Rosie Card on Instagram. She and I, we've actually never met in real life, but we are internet friends, and she was like the first influencer to post one of my videos and it gave me like my first big influx of followers. So I know a lot of you are here because of Rosie or you follow us both. I think we have a lot of the same listeners and audience. So her and I can relate on a lot of levels, but she posted something this week because she gets that same feedback that, you know, every time she shares something, she's told you need to be nicer. And she said something that has honestly stuck with me for the, ever since I read it, like four days ago, she said, kindness and, and politeness and all of that is weaponized against women with inconvenient voices. And wow, first of all, profound. And I want to talk about this because what people mean when they tell you to be nicer is you shared an opinion that I don't like. That's what they mean. Like, I know I'm not out here spewing rainbows, but to ask me to be nicer <laughs> when you voluntarily consume my stuff 
is just, it's a shame tactic, really, that we, you know, that we give women. We tell them that they need to be nicer. We tell them that they need to be kinder because what's a, what's a more painful dig as a woman to be told that you're not kind? Like it's somehow the pinnacle of, of personality traits is kindness. And we act like when women share something that's opinionated or critical or negative or any of that, that they are automatically not kind. And that's how we get them to stop talking as we tell them to be kinder. And you will never catch that happening to a man ever, ever. A guy sharing his opinions or, you know, tweeting something critical or negative, you will never see somebody giving them feedback of, I just really think you should be kinder. And the most, probably the most ironic part of of that concept of the people who tell me that I need to be nicer is that it's, the message is always riddled with insults and like deep, personal, extremely mean insults. And they always like do high fitness and have like at least one kid who ends in L-E-I-G-H, you know, like they've got the love one another quotes, posts, all of that. But then they always send me the meanest, meanest messages I've got are people telling me that I'm not kind enough. Like, am I the only one who sees the hypocrisy in that? Like when I get messages that are like, I think you're a bitch. So I'm going to leave you the meanest possible podcast review and send you three full paragraphs of why I think you are a terrible person. Like, <laughs> like, don't tell me to be nicer when you're the meanest person I've ever encountered. Like that doesn't make any sense. So I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking about this a lot and I, I want to... I want to say something that I created the bad broadcast with the concept in mind that this would be a place for you guys to be as honest as possible about all of the things that you're feeling. I got so fed up of everything that I was consuming, telling me to be more positive, telling me to have a better attitude, telling me that life is perfect. If you just wake up with a smile on your face, I got so sick of it that I wanted this to be a place where you guys can be honest. My DMs, my email, it's all a place for you guys to express things that maybe you felt like you couldn't before. And I think a lot of us feel that way because we're women, because we can't say things. We can't say exactly how we're feeling. We can't complain about, you know, kids or work or anything because then we're seen as not kind. And that's fine. If I'm going to be the internet punching bag for some people, it's worth it because I think this is now becoming a place where we all feel like we can talk about negativity, laugh about it, vent, and move on. And to be honest, that might not be for everybody. The bad broadcast is not going to be for everybody. And that's a really easy concept for me to think about. But when it's actually written down and set in stone and, you know, spelled out of why people don't like me, that's an adjustment. That's just gonna, it's an adjustment for me. And I went back and forth on, uh, well, I shouldn't say I went back and forth, but I've, I've been thinking about this since I started that I'm either going to have to not be as sensitive to it and be okay with the mean things people say to me, or remain as sensitive as I am to it and just have my feelings hurt occasionally. And honestly, it's worth it for me to leave my sensitivity levels and just have my feelings hurt sometimes because it's so worth it to know you guys, to talk to you guys, to express these things, to break down these, you know, barriers that we may have with each other or with ourselves, that's that's a thousand percent worth it. So I don't even care. I mean, I of course, when I read the mean messages and the mean reviews, it hurts my feelings because I'm a human being and somebody just wrote, you know, an annotated essay on why they hate me. But 
it's okay. And I'm adjusting to it. And it, in a lot of ways, it feels like a cool milestone that enough people are here and, and reading my stuff and looking at my stuff that I'm getting that feedback. And I know that's a weird that's a weird thing to say, but it is true that if you are starting something or you're building a brand or whatever, there are going to be people who don't like it. And that's just the sign that you're reaching enough people. And you know, I just, I love hearing from you guys and laughing with you guys, sometimes crying with you guys. It's just, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to everybody who gets me and who feels like this is a place that you can be understood. I don't mean to get all like weird and, you know, deep, but I always tend to throw one of these in there, but I just appreciate it. We are all, and I'm not saying this because of the election or because of, you know, anything about politics, but we are a lot more similar than we think we are. When I read through your emails or your DMs, it's so interesting to me how similar, even like the phrasing you guys say or the humor you guys have or the experiences that you guys have had, it's amazing to me how how similar they are. Even though you guys are completely different people living completely different lives, a lot of times in completely different places. I I love that. And that, I don't know, I would deal with anything in my DMs if it means that we get to keep doing this. Don't let people tell you, don't let other women tell you that just because you are not perfectly positive and happy and thrilled about every little facet of your life, don't let people tell you that you are not kind. You can be both. And like, we're done saying that about women who have a personality. Like we're, we're done with that. So don't come at me and tell me that I'm not kind enough just because I don't like guys who grunt at the gym. Okay. I'm not personally attacking them. I just don't like it. And yeah, that's my, uh, that's my inspiration for the day. Good thing we got that out of the way. Um, because now we're going to get into the good stuff. We are doing a dumb, dumb club check-in, which is, Truly, truly one of the best parts of my week. So let's let's talk about this. So the Dum Dum Club, I I need I, I need somebody to like define it for me because I feel like when I explain it, I don't say it in a very articulate way. But the Dum Dum Club is where we talk about things that we that are extremely obvious that most people know that we don't learn until later in life. Like a lot of them are misheard lyrics or words we spelled wrong or sayings we spelled or sayings we said wrong, all of that. So let me, let me tell you the, this, we just have a couple for this week. So he says, this is a a guy, this is one of my male listeners who I love. And if you are one of my male listeners, I was actually going to put this on my Instagram, but I'm just going to say it here. If you are one of my male listeners, will you message me and tell me about yourself? (laughs) Because I don't know a lot of you guys. I hear from my female listeners a lot, but I want to know what my male listeners are up to. You know, like they, I think like 6% of my followers on Instagram are male, which is a pretty good chunk to be totally honest. So message me and tell me about yourself or how you found me or why, why you're here. I just would like to know because I love you. And obviously you are, you know, top tier of men if you have found your way to the bad broadcast, but that's just my opinion. So he says, For some context, I'm a senior in college studying Russian. In one of my classes, my professor meets individually with each student to grade all papers and tests together. My latest paper was written on some Russian name, Dostoyevsky, Dostoyevsky's philosophy of finding, quote unquote, the person within the person throughout several of his major works. Because of the academic circumstances, this dum-dum moment was particularly memorable for me. At one point in the paper, I describe a poor character as having barely enough to make ends meet, except I wrote, 
make ends meet, M-E-A-T, like the food. I wrote it this way because I've always thought that was the saying. The meaning would be like, maybe enough money to bring home enough meat at the end of the day, you know, put food on the table. When we read that section together, he said, oh, one more thing, no apostrophe on ends and meat is spelled with two E's. He must have known this was more than a mere grammatical oversight, but by his blessed mercy, that was the end of the correction. These are always like these weird sayings that we all have. A lot of those are misheard. Like the one, I don't know if I said it last week, uh, but like throw caution to the wind. Like throw, she thought it was throw kosh, K-O-S-H, throw kosh into the wind. Like, and I love that nobody ever wonders what the definition is. Like we just say them because we hear them so much and nobody wonders what they mean. So make ends meet. I love that. Two of you, two of you this week, (laughs) two people learned that buffalo wings are in fact not buffalo (laughs) meat. (laughs) They're not buffalo meat. I... And baffled because what what body part did you think you were eating of the buffalo? Like they have a like, did you think it was like their finger? Like how would you <laughs> how would you come to that conclusion? Somebody said like I've been going to Buffalo Wild Wings and I thought it was just all buffalo. Like I thought it was just buffalo meat, <laughs> which is amazing. I don't think I've ever eaten buffalo. Let me think. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. It's always the weird thing about buffalo meat is that it's always like a buffalo themed place, like where there's buffalo on the land and then they have buffalo meat. I don't know. I feel weird about that. I feel weird about consuming the 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 thing I'm there to see. I don't know. I find it weird. Next, she says, I thought that Kevin James, the guy who plays Paul Blart, Mall Cop, was actually named Paul Blart, like the actor, like Mall Cop starring Paul Blart. <laughs> Anyway, I thought this until like last week. Yeah, this, first of all, the name Paul Blart brings me a type of joy I can't describe. I don't know why. I also love Kevin James. I always thought his name was Albert Brenneman. I always call him Albert Brenneman because that's his name in Hitch. But Paul Blart, I'm going to just start calling him that. Um, Okay, next one. She learned this week that Cinco de Mayo literally means the 5th of May in Spanish. Until she didn't know that until about three years ago. When I was 23, I was always confused as to how everyone knew exactly what day Cinco de Mayo was on. And I didn't make the connection until I was in the grocery store and my roommate pointed out that a gallon of milk expired on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. I love that. Me and Matt had our first kiss on Cinco de Mayo. So I always remember it. And then we were married almost. We we're okay. So we had our first kiss on Cinco de Mayo because Matt. And I, when we were friends, we would always, Matt loves a themed party, which is just the best thing in the world because I love a themed party. So when obscure holidays come up, like Cinco de Mayo, he was always doing like get togethers for these holidays. And so I was invited to this Cinco de Mayo get together. So we had a Cinco de Mayo party and then we kissed and then we were married like a year later, almost exactly a year later, actually. So that's I don't know why I felt like telling you guys that, but just a little snippet of me and Matt's history. So our main topic for today is so good. I was crying, laughing for the majority of it when I was or when I was reading through these emails. So we are talking about lies that you guys have been caught in or catching other people in lies. And I, I'm like a very, I talk a big game. But when it comes down to it, I'm a very vanilla person, okay? I didn't do anything like crazy in high school. Like I didn't 
sneak out. I didn't toilet. I didn't even toilet paper anybody. I didn't do anything like that. So I didn't ever get caught in any big lies because I didn't tell a whole lot of lies because I was scared. My mom always says like, that's the plus side of like me having anxiety in high school is that I was always like home on time, super safe, checking in a lot. Like I was not wild. Hindsight should have been, but whatever. But now as I'm saying this, I'm actually remembering a story about myself that I can share. So Kylie, if you're listening, you're going to laugh at this. You're going to remember this. Okay. So it was the end of our senior year and it was like a tradition that all the seniors go toilet paper, the principal the night before graduation. And like I said, I was always really scared of toilet papering. I don't know why. I was just scared of all of it. So I had committed to going because all of my friends were going. But at the last minute, I was like, I really, I don't think I want to go. And they all knew that I was like nervous about stuff like that. So nobody really thought anything of it. So I was like, I'm just going to go home. But I wasn't going home. I was going to hang out with the boy that I liked. So I got home because I was going to change. We were in like, you know, when you go toilet papering in high school and you like think you have to dress like, uh, like you're about to rob a bank. So I go home and I'm changing and I'm about to walk out the door and Kylie, my best friend, walks in and she's like, hey, I didn't really feel like going either. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay here and sleep over. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> awesome. I was, that's exactly what I was going to do. So I never told her that I was actually going to leave and go hang out with the boy. And I didn't tell her until I think like last year. I was like, remember when you showed up that night? I was on my way to go hang out with the boy. And then you showed up. But it, that's not, I didn't really get caught in that lie, but I did tell a lie. And that was honestly probably the biggest lie I had told up until that point. So let's get into your guys's because they are much more interesting than mine. So to begin, she says, I have a story for you. One time about a year and a half ago, I was interning at a hospital. At a staff meeting halfway through my internship, we were playing a get to know you game of two truths and a lie. I'm going to do a quick pause here because let me tell you something. I hate nothing more than a get to know you game. Hate it. I'm almost positive that's why I dropped out of college because I couldn't do the first day. I couldn't do the get to know you first day. I hate two truths and a lie. I hate get up and say something interesting about yourself. Always 100% of the time, I just said I have seven older brothers because that's extremely weird, but I hate it. I hate get to know you game. So two truths and a lie, already my nightmare. So she goes on. Since I'm pretty socially awkward, when my turn came around, I got tongue tied and accidentally blurted out two lies and one truth, even though I have rehearsed it in my head like 10 times. One of the lies was that I have a twin sister. I do not have a twin. My sister and I look very much alike, but she is two years older than me. Before I realized what had happened, everyone guessed that the other lie was my one lie. I dismissed it and said, yep, you're right. My lie was that I love to cook. Quick and easy to pass over that mess up, right? wrong. Immediately, someone exclaimed, oh, your instructor that I was interning with is a tr- is a twin too. My stomach sank, but by this point, I felt like I couldn't backtrack. Again, I have a lot of social anxiety. So I just played along and made up answers to their questions about who's older, are we identical, did we like to dress the same, etc. I figured I was only going to be interning here for another three weeks and that it would probably never really come up again. Boy, was I wrong. Not only did my instructor bring it up several times in conversation, but we also had a patient assigned to us a few days later who was a twin. So she would talk about twin stuff with us all the time. Cue more lying. 
Then at the end of my internship, my instructor followed me on Facebook. At this point, I was so deep into my continued lies and so embarrassed of being found out that I went on and untagged myself in any photos that would suggest my sister and I are not twins. Like baby or childhood photos, birthday mentions, random posts one of us had made about each other. I even removed my birthday from my profile so no one would post it and draw attention to it. So I thought that would be enough. Maybe a pain, but at least I don't use Facebook very often and neither do most people's. I know, so it didn't really bother me too much. But then, earlier this year, I needed a job and the guess who offered to hire me? Yep, my old internship where my instructor still works. The pay was too good to pass up and I hoped maybe she had forgotten all about the twin thing anyway. Nope. Day one, second thing she asks is, how's your twin sister doing? Crap. So the lies begin again. Maybe this story doesn't count because I haven't been caught yet, but at least not, or at least not that I know of. But wow, I definitely should have just corrected that tiny mistake right away instead of getting caught in this web of lies where I have to constantly make up stories and facts about my life, monitor my Facebook tags relentlessly <laughs> for any mention of my non-twin status and watch over my shoulder for the day I will be caught. Also that a few coworkers don't call me out for an old slip of the tongue turned lie. At this point, I would almost welcome being found out. This is so deep. You are so deep in this. I don't even know what to tell you because now it's getting weird because this was, she says this was almost two years ago. I mean, how do you approach it? I mean, you could just make a joke out of it and just be like, Funny joke, guys. I had a bet to see how long I could keep this going. That's what you should do. That's what you should do. You should tell people that you had a bet with your sister and you won. That's, wow. Did I just solve that? Maybe. My cat is staring at me like he's about to claw my face off. Okay, don't come up here. No, no, don't, no. Ugh. Okay. Next. This story is about a huge years-long lie one of my best friends and I made up. Neither of us have ever been caught or called out, and I don't think we ever will. Pretty sure people we have fooled have forgotten about it at this point, but who knows. I know it's long, but this is a very condensed version of this elaborate lie, and I hope you find it entertaining. This whole thing basically takes place between 2010 and 2013. Back in high school, my friend and I followed this YouTuber who was really into the UK X Factor, and we started watching it. The second year we watched it, this boy band called One Direction was on, and we became obsessed. For her birthday, I made up this story about how we met 1D and Niall and Harry fell in love with us. Typical teenage nonsense. I photoshopped a bunch of pictures I photoshopped a bunch of pictures too. Granted, they weren't great quality, but it was a joke. She took a picture of the one of her and Niall and set it as her phone background. One day, I get a text from her telling me that people at lunch saw her phone background and asked who it was. We went to different schools, so I hadn't met any of these people. She said she just lied about it and said it was her boyfriend. We thought this was hilarious and came up with this backstory of how Niall was my cousin. I introduced them. They were kind of in a long distance relationship. Of course, we could only tell this lie because this was back when no one in the U.S. had even heard of One Direction, and they were still on the show. She changed my name to Niall in her phone, and I'd text her pretending to be him in front of her friends at school. I photoshopped more pictures, better quality this time, and she posted one as her profile picture on Facebook. At some point, we decided to break them up, I think because she liked someone in real life, but we'd pretend that they got back together multiple times throughout the years. The icing on the cake was when I won a contest to meet One Direction in LA. 
right when they started getting famous in the US, like early 2012. I took my friend and we got to hang out with them and got professional pictures taken with them. We played it off like it was a surprise and they didn't know we were coming. And conveniently, Niall stood next to my friend and Harry stood next to me. We knew that no one would ever question us now. Another thing that solidified our lie was that we made up, we made up that she went to visit him for a week during the summer, during the London Olympics, and Niall didn't tweet that entire week. It was like he was in on it with us. A couple years later, this article came out where he talked about having a secret girlfriend for years or something like that. And one of her friends saw it and freaked out because she thought he was talking about my friend. We kept this up for a few more months and eventually just let it fizzle because she met someone in real life and because we just kind of forgot about it. One of her friends thought she had become friends with Niall, aka me, and they drifted apart in real life. So the timing didn't work out. The last time either of us posted about Niall was in April 2014. I honestly can't believe we got away with this. It helped that no one knew who they were when it started, but wild times. I attached some pictures too. The most amazing part about this is that I made these pictures too. Like I cropped my face in with pictures of Harry Styles, but I was like 22 at the time. Like I was not in junior high or high school. Like I was a full adult developing feelings for Harry Styles. I still feel a lot of them. So I really, and another thing is that you won this contest to meet them. How did you win that? Because Do you guys remember like on the back of cereal boxes, you could like win a cruise with like the sweet life of Zach and Cody or something and nobody ever won them. I don't know anybody who's won any contest ever, let alone to meet One Direction. But she sent me pictures and they were legit unless they were photoshopped and I was fooled, but they were absolutely not. They were like in a meet and greet with them. That's amazing. Okay. We are going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor this week. I am always trying to be as open as possible with you guys about my personal mental health, partly because I have no boundaries, but mostly because I want you guys to know that you are not alone if you also deal with this. I have been on medication for anxiety and depression for now the majority of my life, and I'm always looking for more natural, effective ways to treat it, like CBD. I know what you're thinking. You've tried CBD and it didn't work. But let me tell you something. Not all CBDs are created equal. A lot of places just have low concentration CBD or they use hemp oil, which is not the same thing and has little to zero effect. But I found the solution. Farmer and Chemist. They have premium CBD health and wellness products that come in creams, oils, gels, and gummies. And they have personal consultations with expert pharmacists or pharmacy technicians. And they can actually explain to you how CBD works while making sure you have the right product with the correct dosing, which is especially important if you're like me and you're taking other medications. Farmer and Chemist has quality CBD products that are registered and approved by the state. They also have a storefront in Midvale. It's bright, it's welcoming, it's got beautiful products. They are locally manufactured and they have a wide range of products that can work for chronic pain, anxiety, arthritis, cold sores, insomnia, inflammation, and so much more. I promise you can trust these guys. You can trust their CBD. You can go in, get to know them. I would not recommend this if I have not been using it and absolutely loving it. So they're offering a bad broadcast special. For a limited time through the month of November 2020, new customers will receive 10% off all products in store if you mention my name or the bad broadcast. Or if you want to order online at farmerandchemist.com, you can use the code MADDIE10, M-A-D-I-1-0. I can promise you your body and your brain will thank you. Okay, 
back to the stories. I worked for a paraplegic man last year. We'll call him Daniel. I took this job from a distant friend of mine who I kept in contact with off and on. This job gave me the absolute worst anxiety. And to make things worse, I was scheduled to work for him on my birthday. So strategizing this to death, I told Daniel that I had caught mono about a week before my birthday. Two days before my birthday, I still went into work for him wearing a mask and pretending I had lost my voice because of the fake mono. The whole shebang. On the day of my birthday, I went to my regular job that morning, all dolled up and dressed to the nines because birthday, duh. And then I rushed home, threw my my hair into a messy bun, threw on sweats, not only took my makeup off, but put purple eyeshadow under my eyes to make it look like I was sleep deprived and sick. Kept the whole lost voice act going. Showed up for work and he sent me home almost immediately, just like I'd planned. I went home and got all dolled up once again and showed up at my surprise birthday party that night at a park. While at the party, that distant friend I took the job from happened to be at the same park. He saw me, walked up to me, and the first thing he said is, don't you have mono? Daniel told me you were basically bedridden. I panicked, gave a tiny throat clearing, and full of and for a full five-minute conversation, once again pretended that my voice was gone and I was toughing it out for the sake of the party. He obviously later found out that I had lied. Safe to say I was let go soon. What? You were fired over that? It, it was humiliating. I was an adult woman who lied to a paraplegic man just so I could go to my own birthday party. First of all, that does not seem like a fireable offense. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Maybe maybe I'm just wrong, but doesn't everybody do that at some point? And how about your friend who turned you in? Absolutely not. That is the meanest thing you can do. Truly, that is what you do to somebody who you don't like at all. I can't believe you told him. And it's that's... You know, this distant friend, I think that we should increase that distance because he is not your friend. Okay, next story. This is recent. I was going on dates with a couple different guys and I lacked the emotional capacity or patience to tell them I didn't want to keep going on dates. So I told all four of them that I got COVID and I had to quarantine for two weeks, you know, just to give me some breathing room. Jeez, you have four guys who liked you. I have, that has never happened to me. I have never in all of my life had that happen, had multiple people that I had to choose from. Okay. Then I blocked them all from being able to see my Insta story so that I could continue living my not my normal non-quarantine life in peace. One of them ran into me at the grocery store as I looked extremely healthy and non-COVID-y whatsoever. The other ran into me while I was on a literal date with someone else. He leaned over to my date and said, careful with this one. She's either sick or a liar, maybe both, and left. It was possibly the most awkward thing that's ever happened to me. First of all, how many dates are you going on? Because you have four boyfriends and then two dates that you're on when you've told those four boyfriends that you had COVID. So just get it. I appreciate that. I'm proud of you. Okay. (laughs) She got her next one. She says, "Uh, I love you and love your podcast. These are just compliments that I like to read to myself. Okay. She says, When I was 16, I was dating the pitcher of the high school baseball team, unbeknownst to my very conservative parents who didn't want me to have a steady boyfriend. To both of our parents, we were just in the early stages of hanging out, nothing too serious. But behind the scenes, we were together every chance we could get and had already said, I love you and rounded the bases, if you know what I mean. So it's his senior year, my junior year, and prom season was in full swing. We had this particular Friday off because of parent-teacher conference or teacher day or something, and prom was the next day. Uh, and the same morning, it was the same morning as his state championship bas- baseball game. Sorry. 
We had a plan for me to go over to his house and make food and hang out while his parents weren't home, as I had many times during our lunch hour and our off blocks. His parents would have had a heart attack if they knew this was happening, but we thought for sure we could not get caught. I told my parents I was going to a friend's house to hang out and showed up around 9 a.m. He was in bed, and when I got there, I snuck in bed with him, and we, you know, and took a shower together. Then we made breakfast and watched a movie. Made breakfast and watched a movie. I was home by four and went to swim practice and he went to baseball practice. I sent him a sweet voice memo, voice memo on purpose because I knew it would disappear after a while and it was safe in case his mom saw or something. And it was something like this. Hey, babe, thanks for letting me come over and make your breakfast. We should shower together more often. See you at your game tomorrow. I can't wait for prom. Love you. I sent the memo and went to practice and didn't think much of it. Hours go by and he doesn't respond. I was expecting a response when I got out of practice, but didn't get one. This was weird because he always was a quick responder and we were very lovey-dovey over text. I started getting really anxious like he was mad at me or something. I text him a few more times before 9 p.m. and nothing. Finally, I get a text from him at like 10. He says something like, do not respond to this message. I'm not supposed to have my phone, so I'm deleting this right after I send it. But my mom was on my iPad and listened to your voice memo, so she knows all about you coming over, and we are in huge trouble. She wants me to go to your house and tell your parents what we did. Don't respond and don't call. My mom is going to call you on my phone in 15 minutes, so be by your phone away from your parents. She wants to talk to us both. Don't text me until I text you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, You know that feeling when you're so cringed and scared and anxious that you contemplate holding your breath until you pass out because unconsciousness is the only conceivable solution to the endless pit of terror inside your stomach? Yeah, that feeling. My stomach sunk for, my stomach sunk so far. Oh my gosh. My stomach sunk so far. I thought I was going to birth it out. I went outside in my backyard and told my mom I needed some air, which was true. So I went and sat in the cold grass waiting for the call. His mother was a true psychopath, if you can't tell, and the fact that she was even on his iPad snooping on our messages is beyond me, but still, I was mortified. There was no recovering from this. My life as I knew it was over. She finally called, and my boyfriend did the most talking. It was as as if she told him everything to say because he sounded like a robot, and I knew it wasn't actually him. He said, what we did was extremely irresponsible, and I take full responsibility for my actions. I made a huge mistake by letting you come over, and I'm sorry for that. This won't be happening again, and I'm not sure we should see each other anymore after prom. I didn't even know what to say. This, oh my gosh, this is stressing me out so much. Okay. I didn't even know what to say. I, but because I knew she was listening, I completely cowardly bowed down to her and apologized left and right for being so stupid. Then she chimed in. I'm very disappointed in his name, but I'm also very disappointed in you. We welcomed you into our home and you knew the rules and you knowingly broke them. I know your parents raised you better than this. The the shame just abounds. She agreed not to make him tell my parents, and to this day, they do not have any clue. Thank goodness. She agreed to let us go to prom, and after prom until... Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, you guys. She agreed to let us go to prom and after prom until midnight, and then we had to go home. We didn't text her anything at all after that. I just knew when and where to meet him with our group for pictures. This incident ruined prom weekend for me, and it's one of my worst memories. I wrote his parents an apology letter and gave it to her at the state game the next morning. Neither him nor his family talked to me after the game. Even after I went up to her and handed her the letter, she smirked and put it in her purse and just grimly asked if I had picked his boutonniere. As soon as we got done with, I want to cry. This this story is making me want to cry. As soon as we got done with prom pictures that night, we got in his truck to drive to dinner and it was the first time we'd been alone and could finally talk. I was expecting an apology and him and us being able to cringe together. But what I got was, what the hell were you thinking sending that voice memo? You literally ruined my life and our relationship. My parents will never trust me again and this is all of your fault. He yelled at me the entire drive to dinner and never once told me I looked pretty in the 400 
dress I got solely to impress him. We barely danced and I cried in the bathroom for like an hour of the dance while he ignored me and we broke up a few weeks later. I was heartbroken, but at least I dodged a bullet with her having her as a mother-in-law. I hope this was worth a read. I'm going to go take a shower now because I'm sweating. <laughs> Love you. I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin on all of the things that I hate so much about this story. Here's the thing. Strict parents raise the best liars. That's just a fact. All of my friends who were sneaking out the most, who were lying the most to their parents, who were doing things that their parents didn't want to do, it's because their parents were so strict. I didn't do anything like rebellious, if you could even call it that, in high school because my parents didn't, were not strict. Granted, I was the youngest of eight kids. They were probably a little bit tired, but I never had a curfew or anything like that. So I never lied to them. Like if I wanted to go out with my friends or go out late or whatever, I just told them. Not saying that, you know, there's a perfect way to do it, but I do think that when you are this strict and this full, I I know I just said the shame abounds and it's true. And that's what's, I mean, my gosh, my, my thoughts are all over the place because so much of this makes me mad. To shame people, to shame teenagers for having feelings for each other is beyond me. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's like, that's like shaming somebody for like having to go pee after they drink water. Like that's what your body does. That's what it's supposed to do. If it was not doing that, if you were chugging a gallon of water and you never peed, that would be a problem. If you were a 17-year-old and you had a boyfriend and you didn't feel romantic about them, you either don't like them or you have an internal problem going on, you know? Like, I just don't, it's just, I mean, I know, I I feel like the word toxic is now becoming one of those buzzwords that we talked about last week. Like, it's so overused that it doesn't really have a meaning. But when you get into, like, toxic purity culture, you know? And you start shaming people for anything having to do with sex or relationships or anything like that. Like it's so, I don't know one person who dealt with that growing up who does not have a like serious complex about sex. Like that is, that's something that years of therapy can maybe undo. But I don't know. I just don't get, especially when it's not your kid. That's what makes me so mad that this mom shamed this girl who was not her daughter. I mean, it's bad enough when it is your own kid, but when you put that on somebody else's child, when you know that they're already learning that and getting that from home, I mean, it's just, it's be, what's the outcome? What is the outcome that you think is going to happen? The bummer is that shame is so powerful that a lot of times it works and that reinforces parents to continue to do things like this. Because if I can shame them to get my way, then I'm just going to keep doing it. And it's selfish. It's out of fear. My mom and I talked about this a lot on our podcast. I mean, not uh, like this topic in particular, but just parenting out of fear. And I just feel sad. And I don't know if I even have, you know, a leg to stand on because I'm not a parent. But I just think about how how it does not occur to people, to parents, that that could possibly damage your child to make them feel like that. You know, I just that that truly it really does make me want to cry because I know that feeling. And when you grow up with the thought that it's scary or dirty or bad or shameful, it's really hard to unravel that. And that's a whole that's a whole topic for another day, but it is hard. I've had to unravel that. I think a lot of you guys are in the process of that and it's tough. And I feel upset for people who have had to go through it to this extent. And 
I'm just mad. I'm mad. I'm mad about that. So let's get on to another one before I really unleash on this mom. Okay. She says, I have always wanted to write you for an episode and I for real have the craziest story. I dated I dated a pathological liar. He was super showy and told all the tallest tales. He was very flashy and bought me expensive dinners, clothes, and jewelry. My young self let it go on for a while because, duh, clothes. The biggest lie he told involved a fake phone call, a made-up ball at the governor's mansion, and an $800 dress from Neiman Marcus. So I'm from Texas, and I met this guy. He was your classic stereotypical Texan cowboy. There aren't that many in Austin, but he traveled about an hour to pick up girls in my area. That's weird. That's weird. Okay. He wore cowboy boots and had a thick accent. On our first date, he drove me out to a huge plot of land. He insisted that his family owned it and he regaled me. Did I say that right? Regaled me with stories of country life. I considered myself pretty posh and city. So I thought this was a fun match for me. Important to the story. I had just finished a summer. I had just finished a summer dating a terrible alarm salesman from Utah. And I was sick of summer sales guys and boys from Utah in general. My initial attraction to this new guy was that I felt like he was so different from everybody I knew there. Anyhow, some weird things about this guy. He always paid in cash, but just not just cash, $100 bills. Looking back, I think it's creepy when guys, especially 20-somethings, just carry wads of cash. He always had five or $600 on him, never looked at a bill, would just set down one or $200 and leave. I would always say I had to go to the restroom and go back for the change and go back for the change. Really not proud of that, but I was in college. Okay, so she, so he would like pay for a meal, like say the meal's like $80 he would leave a hundred dollars and then she would go back and take the change. That's incredible. That is actually a very, that should be submitted to our mildly dishonest things. Like that's, that's fine. As long as you're leaving a tip, of course. So we began dating in the summer. I had come home and took an extra semester off sometime in November. We casually began discussing marriage around Thanksgiving is when things got weird. So he would always mention how his family was friends with the governor and the McConaughey's, which is so random, but they are notoriously from Texas. So I thought maybe he just, would think no one ever knew. No one would ever know. I sh- I'm sure I started acting distant because the more distant I acted, the more outlandish his stories would become. One day he called, first of all, you are talking marriage with this guy? Okay. One day he called me and said, I'm representing my family at the governor's ball and I would like you to come as my date. This was the year Gossip Girl came out and I blame that show on me thinking that a governor's ball was a real thing that happened to real people. He said, let's meet at Neiman Marcus and I'll buy you a dress for the ball. I'm laughing as I'm telling this because at the time I believed about 25% of it and the other part of me was just curious. We go to Neiman Marcus. I remember thinking it was so weird because like who shops at Neiman Marcus? The nicest store to me was Nordstrom. Neiman was like the old lady rich, but they just had built one in Austin. So it was bougie and new. I brought my grandma with me. (laughs) I lived with her and she had dementia. So I used her as an excuse not to go places a lot. This goon had me trying on dresses and tells me to go pick one. I do. And when he goes to pay, rather than dishing out his usual money, he pulls out a card. The card, shocker, gets declined. So he starts making angry phone calls to the bank. He tells me that he had driven to Oklahoma earlier that day to pick up some cattle. I know, weird, but that that was his real life. And he had used his card to get gas, but now that we were in Austin, it was flagged. The idiot tried to convince me to buy the dress. I declined, and we leave. Some time passes. I can't remember, but at this point, I've told my mom about his lies, and she adores him and tells me that I'm sure that she's sure there's an explanation and to not write him off just yet. I know now my mom was just desperate for me to get married, even though I was barely 21. Sheesh. 
Uh, the next time I see him, he doesn't mention the dress, the ball, or the governor, or the McConaughey's. <laughs> he does tell me some story about how his dad had lunch with George Strait that week, and he's investing in him or something. So weird. He also tells me that he has bought me a purse for Christmas, but it was on back order, and it wouldn't get here till the 26th. He made sure to mention the purse cost him 1300 I didn't believe him. So finally, I've realized this man is a psycho, and the only time I will agree with him, will agree to see him, is while I'm at my parents' house. I'm making it sound like he's a stalker, but we definitely were still legitimately dating. I was sort of trying to ghost him, but doing a terrible job. So if he asks me to go out again, I just say, I'm having dinner with my parents, but you can come. The ball is approaching, so I bring it up again. He tells me that his dad and the governor had a falling out, so he's not sure if we're still going, but he'll call. He then opens up his phone and presses some numbers and begins typing on the phone. Hi, this is Mr. Smith. Can I speak with Sally? This is where my sleuthing begins to take shape. So this was the early days of iPhones and he still had a flip phone. When he was on a call, the outside of his flip phone would be lit up. So I was trying to get close close enough to see him. No light. I go to find my mom and I'm telling her this and she thinks I'm crazy. I'm intent on proving it to her. When he hangs up from the call, I borrow his phone and my mom distracts him. His last outgoing call was hours ago to a random local number. I write down the number and and when he leaves, I call it. I love, I love you women with FBI skills so much not the governor's office. I then call the only number I can find for the governor's office. I start asking about the governor's ball and the lady on the phone tells me that the governor takes two weeks off at Christmas and there are no public or private events. She said there is and never has been, (laughs) there was and never has been a governor's ball. Finally, my mom believes me, but I still didn't confront the guy. No. So December 23rd comes and goes, no ball. Christmas comes and goes, no purse. He also disappears during this time. I was obviously pissed and wanted to get him, give him a piece of my mind. He had told my family they could come to his ranch and ride horses on New Year's Day. They wanted me to cancel, but I said no so they could ride horses and I could yell at him. I basically... I basically cornered him and told him that I would have liked him even if he was just a normal guy with a normal job and no money. I was so mad that I had wasted so much time and I was sad because I really liked him when all this went down. I also told him that the least he could do was to give me my purse, which he did, and to not lie to the girls to girls in the future. Not sure on that one. We parted ways. I moved back to Utah and he randomly called me one day and said he was in Utah and wanted to have dinner. I was shocked but curious and my sister and I had had, had dinner with him. He acted totally normal and polite and somehow that made everything worse. He stayed in Utah, but I didn't see him. This is so random, but another lie he used to tell me is that he might be late picking me up, so he would have to fly a helicopter and he he needed me to ask my parents is if it was okay if he landed a helicopter on their land. Like what? Looking back, it's really sad that he was so insane. I feel bad for letting it go on so long. When I occasionally tell this story, I am shocked that this even happened and I realize how miserable I was when I when I didn't have trust. I since have heard that he got married and had a kid from my mom who kept in touch with him for a long time. I have luckily moved on as well. Wow. Whoa. Wow. So many lies. I do feel sad. I I do honestly kind of feel sad for people that have to lie that much. Like that's not, that's that's mental illness in it. Okay. Next. First of all, I love you and your podcast. You truly give me a reason to get up and to go to work on Monday morning. Oh my gosh, I love you. Okay. Anyway, I super hope this story gets shared because it's so crazy and I need other people to hear it. I'll try to make this as short as possible. I was a sophomore at the time, probably 14 or 15 years old. My mom was a hardcore believer in no smartphones until we graduate. All my friends had one and I was stuck with a flip phone with a full keyboard at the age of 15. It was fine. I was fine. 
No, I wasn't. I needed a cooler phone. I had the grand idea of creating my own Amazon account and getting my own debit card so that I could order an iPhone on Amazon without my parents knowing. If you knew my parents, you would know that this would not fly, considering the fact that they won't let their children have iPhones until they're 18. Again, with the strict parenting, they're going to find a way around it. I promise you. If you're going to lay rules that strict, kids are smart. They're going to figure it out. Okay. I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16, but I had a secret boyfriend that I would only see at school. We would text and FaceTime all the time on my new classy phone. You can imagine that we were totally flirty and probably a little too inappropriate. Okay, more like a lot inappropriate. I usually plugged my phone in somewhere and covered it with a blanket or clothes so my mom didn't notice. I got lazy about three months in and plugged it in and had it under my pillow while I slept. I woke up on Saturday morning to my mom telling me to come into her room and reach for my phone only to find it was gone. My heart immediately dropped. I knew exactly what she, why she wanted me. My mom unplugged my phone while I was sleeping and somehow I hadn't noticed. I sat in my parents' room while they lectured me and tried to get my passcode from me. I eventually gave... No, I eventually gave in two hours into the lecture. She went through my entire phone, Snapchat, sexts, Instagram DMs, everything. My consequence was that the only time my mother let me out of her sight was while I was sitting in class at school. She chaperoned me while I was at track practice, piano practice, and even while I was on a date with my dad. She never took let me out of her sight. I just had to sit in the locked car for like two hours with nothing to do. Oh, even while she went on a date with my dad. Sorry. I thought like you went on a daddy daughter date while she went on a date with my dad. She never let me out of her sight. I had to sit in the locked car for two hours with nothing to do. So I just took a nap. That's you guys, you guys, are we, are we going to let this go on? I mean, what, what, what possible solution is that? I'm dumbfounded. I actually do not have any words for that. I know. I I don't want to judge anybody's parenting skills, obviously, but this seems extremely like damaging, if I can say that. I don't know. Okay, let's get into something lighthearted. This is called a wholesome lie. Realizing the subject line of this email could also be the title of my life. Here to submit a lie I was caught in that's pretty G-rated. In ninth grade, I showed up to a six-period English and, surprise, a book report was due. We were given the entire quarter to read a book, and today the teacher began class. Let's see. The teacher began class by handing out a packet for us to fill out about the plot, characters, setting, etc. I have never read a book in my entire life. Certainly did not read one in the last two months, but I had seen the most recent Harry Potter movie, and I'm pretty sure that was a book once. I knew I had cheated the system and gleefully began filling out my packet with information straight from the movie. A week later, I got my graded packet back, and while there were usual and where a usual great job or awesome work would be, my teacher had put a winky face. I found it a little odd, but I got a B plus, so I didn't think much of it. Fast forward like five years. I'm on Twitter and seeing tweets about Harry Potter. For the first time, I see the character's name spelt out. I immediately flash back to this ninth grade assignment, and I know for a fact I butchered Hermione's name. I put at least four additional vowels in there somewhere. I'm pretty positive I called Professor McGonagall, Professor or Mrs. McGonagall, and I definitely thought Ginny Weasley was just ever in saying Jenny in a British accent. Had I actually read the book and seen these names typed out in front of me, I would have surely known how to write them correctly. The winking sticker on my paper suddenly made so much more sense, and I wanted to look up my teacher right then and be like, thanks for doing me a solid and handing out that B plus instead of just calling me out. I'm excited to hear the stories. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, I'm sure I've done that. I actually did not. I took AP Lit my senior year of high school. It's like my crowning achievement of life, and I fully never read a whole book, ever. Like not one whole book. Passed the test, got the college credit. It was great. 
Okay. Next up. Here we go. Enjoy the embarrassment of my childhood. I'm setting the scene. I'm eight years old and I think I'm a badass. I would follow my brother around when he would hang out with his friends and they like to go toilet papering. I thought it was the coolest thing. I wanted to just be cool and prove to everyone that I was rebellious and mysterious. <laughs> my friends and I make plans to sneak out of our homes and go toilet paper the house of another kid in our neighborhood on a school night. We designated the meeting time to be 10 p.m. because we were supposed to be in bed before then. I waited until the lights went out from under my door, then snuck off my top bunk bed and put on a black leotard I used to wear to dance class. I snuck out of my room and then out the back door of my house, shutting the door behind me. I thought I was being so sneaky. I snuck around my house and noticed my parents' lights were on, but I figured they were just talking in their room or something. I grabbed a few little rolls of toilet paper and went to the meeting place to meet my friends. I got there and waited around, but none of them came. I decided they must have fallen asleep and I should go toilet paper without them. I run through the neighborhood to a house around the block and toilet paper their house. I was so proud of my work. I thought for sure I was the most badass eight-year-old that had ever lived. I then got nervous because I could hear people calling my name. Even though I was more than this was more than 15 years ago, I still remember running back to my house while hearing my name and hiding behind bushes when cars drove past. When I went to my cul-de-sac, I could see a lot of adults in yards with flashlights and it scared me. They were calling my name, but I was afraid of getting in trouble. Somehow, not going to lie, pretty proud of myself, I snuck back into my house, took off the leotard, put on my pajamas and got back in bed. My door opened after a few minutes and my older brother came in. I could tell he had been crying and he called my name in my room and I replied, Applied, and I pretended like I had been sleeping. He runs out of the room and grabs my parents and the cops. Apparently, my parents had heard me shut the door and got concerned enough to check the bedrooms of all the kids. When they noticed I was missing, they got nervous that I got kidnapped. So they called the cops. Keep in mind, this was a few months after the Elizabeth Smart thing happened in Salt Lake City, and my family only lived 30 minutes from Salt Lake. They were all crying and hugging me. The cops have then questioned me, asking what had happened. I told them I had no idea and I must have sleepwalked. Walked. They believed me. Everyone in the neighborhood was so relieved because they thought I had been kidnapped. The cops even recommended to my parents that I should see a specialist about sleepwalking and do more to keep me in the house at night. After the cops left, my mom turned to me and said, I know you're lying. Where were you? I was terrified. So I kept the sleepwalking story for a strong five-ish years before I finally told my parents what had happened. The best part of this whole thing is that I shared a room with my younger sister and she had slept through it all. So here's the story of the time I snuck out of the house and lied to the cops as an eight-year-old. I hope hope you enjoyed. P.S. I have it documented in my eight-year-old journal how I was going to repent for this. <laughs> oh, that is why I was always scared of, of toilet papering. I always thought the cops were going to get involved and I was scared. Okay. Let's see. Is this our last one? Yes. Okay. This is our last one. So she says, before my husband and I were married, we moved in together. A little backstory, he didn't grow up with a lot of money, but my my family grew up pretty comfortable, so he learned a lot about budgeting, and I knew nothing about saving money. We were trying to adjust to living together and just get used to each other's spending habits. My husband is very frugal and a saver and always had a lot of money and savings, and I didn't. However, I was always too embarrassed and ashamed to admit that I needed help or had a hard time budgeting. I enrolled in classes at the, at college, in college and was trying to make the payments out of pocket, which my boyfriend thought I was capable of because he had no idea I was broke. I was drowning with trying to split the bills and make my tuition payments. So I took out a student loan and didn't tell him. Well, I didn't think this through because my loan provider sent a letter to our house. <laughs> well, I didn't think this through because my loan provider sent a letter to our house and the envelopes clearly said, 
info about your student loan. My boyfriend was so mad that I didn't come to him for help or told him that I and or tell him that I couldn't afford the way we had things split up. He asked if he could see my account and what we were dealing with. When he logged in, I had $9 in my account. Luckily, he handled it well. I was able to pay off the loan quickly since we, and since we have been married, I have had budget meetings every Sunday to check in on our finances. But man, did I feel like an idiot. I money stuff stresses me out so bad. I'm really not. I I I've gotten better now, but yeah, Matt and I Matt and I actually started sharing fine. We like got a combined bank account like when we were still dating. I don't even know why we did that. We had decided that we were going to get married, so we were just like doing all of the steps. But yeah, money is it's hard not to feel stressed about it because no matter what situation you're in, there's usually something that you can find to be stressed about. And yeah, it's rough. And and combining, I feel like combining finances and dealing with finances is one of the hardest logistical things about a relationship. Because you really do, you have such different spending habits from people and you don't notice what your habits are until you are tied to another person and they're sitting there watching your habits unfold. Like I didn't know that I had certain habits until I got married and Matt was like, Hey, so you do this a lot. And I was like, Oh yeah, I do. So it's a weird money's weird. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to discuss. It's hard to budget. I get it. So I would probably do the same thing. Honestly, Matt would probably do the same thing too. We're working on it. Okay. Um, okay. So there, there are the good old lies that you guys tell. Um, thank you for listening, for listening to my, my never ending ramblings. I love you guys. I love doing this and I, yeah, I just love you guys. Thank you for being supportive of the ads. Make sure that you go to Farmer and Chemist, get some CBD and yeah, hope you guys all have a great week. We will do a bachelor recap later on this week and yeah, everybody take a nap. I think we all very much deserve a nap after last week. So I love you. Be safe. Bye.